Thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C. And today we're talking a little bit about creating online identity and particularly uh, around the idea of creating your own personal brand. Yeah, and I, I figured, you know, it's a, this This is actually your idea. I got to give you credit for that. Um, and and you had some thoughts behind it. So so why don't you just explain why here we are a technology leadership podcast. Why are we talking about online personal branding? Yeah, so, you know, part of it came out of just as I've been reflecting really on some of the characteristics that seem like they've been, they've had almost a compounding effect coming through the pandemic. I looked a lot at what has happened with just widespread utilization of platforms like LinkedIn uh, in in the you know 14 or so months that uh, you know we've we've been going through you know progressive states of of lockdown and uh, you know remote workforce. Um, so you know I, I started thinking of it in terms of you know what was a multiplying force you know more recently uh in, in sort of the the wave prior to that i thought about how um you know really the development of dot com in the 1990s it, it took some time for that user adoption to fall into mm-hmm. place it, it took the better part of a decade right um and that uh that by the time kind of the mainstream at large was dialed into what all of that meant you know those of us that have been part of that first wave of of dot com you know we were already moving on to other facets of you know digitization but um you know for most people it was uh sort of the advent of the smartphone that really started creating the ubiquity of what a lot of folks have characterized as web 2.0 or that more social media context where you're, you know, if web 1.0 was, you went to the web, you know, for retrieving information or going to more of a static brochure site, web 2.0 became that, uh, that interactive capability where, where now you're, you're posting, you're interacting, you know, there, there are things that are more personalized about your, your interactivity with web assets versus, you know, just having informational access to things. And so, you know, as I, as I kind of thought ahead into what in this last decade has had that same kind of multiplying force, I thought about really this, this year of pandemic where a lot of people who are already digital workers to some degree have been forced to relocate to remote office working and have become more and more dependent on digital technologies. And all of a sudden this concept of, you know, centralizing brand identity uh, around yourself as either a professional or your business has become, you know, there's been more of a confluence around it. I think in part because folks have been forced into working with digital tools more than ever before. So I'm just kind of curious if you share that perception or if, you know, am I just, pie in the sky <laughs> now I'm thinking about this I think you know it 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 kind of has something to do with yes they're millennials and you know gen z's and what whatever you know gen x's have had more access to technology right because it was there right as we were younger um you know I'm in, I'm on the tail edge 
of millennial, the beginning edge and the tail edge of, of generation X. So I don't really necessarily from a generation perspective, identify with millennials. I'm somewhere kind of in between. Um, but you know, it always reminds me back to this great quote. It's like the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed by William Gibson. Right. So the technology has always been there. Uh, from an internet perspective, we think of the early days of internet, IIRC, forums, right? The tech right. nerds were the first ones to get out there and do that because you had to have the know-how to actually connect up a modem, right? BBS, baby. Yeah, and you had to set your baud rate and everything. You had to know how to do that stuff. And, and your sure. everyday home user, you know, obviously they couldn't get on the internet to, to access that information. You had to kind of know how to do it because information wasn't as easily readily available. But once you were on the web, even in the early days, there was tons of information, tons of networking opportunities. Um, and like you said, I think the past year has been a great thing for people to realize that I've been pretty active on LinkedIn for probably like two and a half years ever since we started this podcast. Um, and I've seen a growing number of professionals just in general start posting on there or start interacting on there it's been like a huge wave of people mainly salespeople initially in the beginning because they're like okay well sure. i need to make sales so how do i reach out and you know find new clients when i'm not flying to one of my current clients and then hitting prospects in the city uh so it's it's definitely been there for a while i think it's just not as evenly distributed and Back to your point about a personal branding, I think it's important, right, as a leader or just anybody in general, right? If you're trying to sell something or you're trying to get a job or you want somebody to look at something, isn't it easier to sell something or get somebody to look at something when they have somewhat of an idea of who you are already, right? <laughs> it's it's that idea of, you know, giving people things and giving them things and never asking anything in return, knowing one day yeah. that all those things that you give will pay back in the end. And it, it's the same, just like with leadership, right? You're, you're judged on the amount you give, not the amount you take, right? Nobody wants to interact with somebody else like on LinkedIn or any social platform who's just like, hey, look at this. Hey, you want to buy this? Hey, you want to buy this? You become that annoying person who goes <laughs> door to door trying to sell everything, right? which there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the feeling that people get when it's just like all this loud, like, hey, buy this buy this, buy this, check me out. Um, so to your point, I think, you know, the past year has really driven some people to, to look at themselves uh, and their presence outside of just being identified with a company, if that makes sense. And maybe yeah. I answered your question, but I didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, you, you touched on a lot okay. of things that I think are worth exploring. And, you know, one of them that you just referenced without actually referencing the term that I've heard become associated with it is social selling, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had never heard that term probably until, you know, the last uh, 12 months or so, although that's, you know, it's been around already for half a dozen years. And really, it has a lot to do with what you and I have talked about as a leadership principle. I mean, you, you just said it, you know, you're, it's almost like your credibility, um, you know, your authenticity is based off of the measure of how much you give versus how much you take. Right? How much are you extending a hand versus looking for a handout? <laughs> right? mm -hmm. And uh, and yet there's been this whole philosophy that's kind of developed, as you mentioned, that sort of led with the salespeople, where social selling has now become this buzz, and yeah. and and really it's when you break it down, it's just about facets of authenticity, 
It's how do you create a brand and an identity for yourself that's less about, you know, what product you're peddling versus, you know, how are you trying to create an online presence that has value to others so that then they do, in fact, want to engage with you, like you, you who you are, not <laughs> not you because you represent the sales engine of some company, right? Yeah, and I think you're right. It's it's about being authentic, right? And letting people know who you are. It's it's easier for like if we're talking about from the selling perspective, which I know are, are most of our audience probably aren't in sales unless they're in technical sales of some kind, sure. um, which is fine. But it's like people want to do business and interact with people. They want to don't interact with companies, right? We buy things from other people. Uh, and when it comes to just like if if you think of LinkedIn, it's networking, right? I'm more prone to do business with somebody I've networked, have conversations with before who hasn't tried to sell me anything in the past just because we've built a yeah. relationship, right? And salespeople to a degree would always do this, right? When they could travel, they'd, mm. they'd hit some some office that maybe there's a prospective client on the same floor in the building or another floor down. They just pop in, say, hey, you know, can I buy you a drink or whatever? And they just have a social interaction to get to know them. Um, but that's that's the type of thing you can do digitally now. And like you said, over the past year, it's, you know, people identify with other people, right? When you think of Virgin itself, right? You don't think of Virgin, the company. You think of Richard Branson, right? And you you think of his own personal brand, and then you just think of the Virgin brand underneath him, right? Because he is that brand. He, he built that. Um, you know, he's much more interesting as an individual, than he is as Richard Branson, the CEO of, of Virgin, whatever he's he's doing now, right? Um, and that's the same thing. Even if you're just a lowly tier one support person, you do have value to give. You have stuff to give people, right? Um, you have something to say, and and you know some information to share. And that's the one thing I feel like that holds people back from going to do that personal branding because they get on some link like LinkedIn and they look at somebody who gets like millions upon millions of views right on some piece of content but that doesn't matter like one thing that a lot of people don't realize is a lot of social media can be faked like a lot of those numbers can be faked they'll they'll join these things called engagement groups and people will pitch in together to try and drive numbers up right but in reality you know numbers are just numbers they don't really mean anything right it's it without any context behind them uh so i would say don't let that discourage you from getting out somewhere and just sharing information like so maybe you're tier one maybe you know how to tell people how to do emojis from their keyboard right windows key and period we'll pull up the emoji thing and you'll find tons of people who don't even know how to do that who will probably think it's the coolest thing and start following you and interacting with you yeah well said and you know i i think uh in fact rather than discouraging you it shouldn't encourage you right if you've got yeah. no numbers if you've got two followers right create something that is content that's worthwhile of engaging with and see what happens with that and uh and you know it's a it's a two-way street right you've got to go out and engage with others as well uh you, you've got to really uh find those who are creating some of the compelling content and yeah. make connections with them and if you're an environment like linkedin you should like those things but don't just like them go the extra step and make a comment if there's something that uh you feel like uh, the content made you respond in a certain way make sure you leave a comment 
And uh, based on my understanding of the way LinkedIn's algorithms work, that's part of what starts helping to elevate your own profile uh, in terms of engagement, because you're not just out there cranking through profiles and clicking like on whatever the latest post is, you're actually showing that there's a degree of engagement. You've thought about the content that's being presented and you're interacting with it in some way. Yeah. And I mean, it, you don't have to spend a ton of time, right? You don't have to spend hours and hours a day on it. Um, it like you said, comments are content, right? And if you leave a comment on like a Gary uh, Vaynerchuk post who gets thousands upon thousands of views a day, um, you can be seen a lot if it's a great comment, right? It'll push your comment up to the top and you'll be seen more than if you post your own content initially in the beginning. But like you said, looking at those numbers of what you would post, because what will happen in social media is a lot of people will post for a week and they're like, oh, nobody's looking at my stuff. Well, the first time you do anything, is it great? <laughs> like, it's like all my beginning content so horrible. Um, and it's only through trial and error and engaging with other people that people actually started to listen to what I was saying. Because in the beginning, no one was listening to anything I said, right? I had no idea what I was doing. I just copying what other people were doing on LinkedIn, you know, sharing a viral piece of media and going, oh, why is nobody interacting? Oh, it's because like the people who are there all the time see that stuff and they don't want to interact with that because it's like, well, if I could see it somewhere else, why do I care that it's here? Um, but, you know, comparing yourself to others is, is a dangerous game in any shape or form, right? And you, you know that even from a leadership perspective, right? You're, everybody's on their own path and their own journey. And you should only compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Are you better than you were yesterday? Then that's all that matters. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because one of the things that I thought would be worth talking about, you know, we've got, uh, uh, I think, some specifics that we can get into, particularly around some of what you've shared in terms of you know, how you, how you develop something like a podcast, you know, you actually published your own ebook that you, uh, you shared out through your own personal channel. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, part of what that started also connecting to me in terms of, uh, from a leadership perspective, Andy Grove, uh, you know, talked about, uh, you know, why wait for a board to oust you if that's if that's really part of your concern right as a leader yeah. because it's a it's a real you know potential uh, at a lot of different organizations why why take the time to fret over how that might you know come to pass why not reverse that and think in terms of what are the things that wouldn't be satisfying to uh you know a board um, and you know, what, what are some of those things that, that could start shaping a path for your ouster and then actually go and take the time to really put some thought into considering, well, why not take some of those things and put them into practice now, even if it's just, you know, putting it into a strategy, into a game plan. And, uh, and so you know, one of one of the comments that uh, you know, again, I think I I referenced uh, you know this this book by Eric Qualman that uh, even though it's uh, you know ten to twelve years old now, it's still chock full of relevant goodness for today. You know, one of the things that he talks about in in chapter fourteen of that book uh, is called recreate yourself, right? And okay. so, uh, kind of the basis of that is talking about what's the void you would leave behind if suddenly you yanked 
something like your LinkedIn profile, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I think about what you just described, Nick, and you know the uh, the the Nick Lozano profile of you know whatever it is eighteen months ago. Uh, if you suddenly took down all the content that was there, yeah, no one would notice. Yeah. yeah, it might not have you know <laughs> barely yeah. be a blip probably for most people, even those that who were you know routinely interacting with you who were connected to you. But now that you've been out there and you've created a lot of content, you've developed a lot of relationships with people that you've actually never physically met, <laughs> right? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, are, who are very active in uh, in being interactive uh, with your content. Uh, if you pulled that down to, if you pulled your profile down today, you know, there would be a void. I mean, there would be people who are looking for the things that you're posting next or whatever your next, you know, campaign is. Um, so, uh, so I'd, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on some of that as well and, uh, and kind of shift the conversation a little bit more into, you know, brand identity. Yeah, I would think, um, you know, the, the key is to just start, right? Just start trying to do something. Because like you said, if my LinkedIn profile from 18 months ago, how many members does LinkedIn have? Like 10 million or something? Like, I don't even know how many profiles are on there, right? And um, if you were just to, you know, search me on job title there, how many other people are going to come up in there, right? <laughs> like, it's just like, how many in a list of search results am I going to be? Uh, who knows? And Part of my my foray into social media really was to promote this podcast, right? Because it's it's difficult to promote something when people don't know what it is. And I'll go the, the one thing I always say with podcasting, right? The hardest part of it is the promotion. The easiest part is hopping on here, recording it, guest editing. The hardest thing you'll ever find with it is the promotion, um, and that's where the personal branding comes in, right? It's easier for me to create content and give stuff to share from a personal level. That's not even the podcast stuff, right? Um, and then it gets people generally interested in who you are as in a person. And then they start digging a little bit deeper, right? I have the lead.exe podcast as a job on there and people just find it organically. Um, right. like, yeah. like you said the other day, you're like, oh, I looked at the lead.exe podcast thing and it had X number of followers. I had not even no idea I had that many people following it. But that's just me doing passive engagement, right? Not asking anybody to like my stuff um, or to like the podcast. I'm like, when I bring it up most of the time, I'm like, hey, you know, I do this and it's there. Um, but I'm not requiring people to it. I'm just asking like, hey, you know, if you think my conversation is interesting, we don't want to check out the other information that we have. Um, and and get back to your point, you know, it's like just start, right? Um, don't be worried too much about the things that can go wrong what all my coworkers think if they see it. Um, you know, for the most part, I've found even with my business relationships, people really enjoy my content um, or they have told me they've enjoyed it and they have had interacted absolutely zero on it. Um, so people do passively consume. I, I did have somebody yeah, tell me yeah. one time, he's like, oh, I really love all your content on LinkedIn. And I didn't even know he was active on LinkedIn because I've never seen him on there. He's never liked any of my information. He's never liked any of my posts. But that's the power of personal branding. There's tons of people out there just passively consuming, right? They get on LinkedIn and they scroll through the feed. Um, You know, the average LinkedIn user spends 17 minutes a month on there or something like that. So that means maybe a couple of minutes a week um, outside of people who are in sales who probably spend a majority of their time on there. But, you know, it's, it's get out there, start, start building a personal brand just for yourself. Right. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the the personal branding thing, right? Because it always makes people feel like 
you're selling something, right? We got to do this personal branding because you got to sell. Well, from a leadership perspective, it, it's it's good to get your ideas out there, right? Just let people know who you are and your thoughts and ideas from a leadership perspective. You don't have to have anything to sell um, to start building a reputation or a presence. Um, and you will be surprised that if you start sharing this information, you'll find people who are interested and then people who want to be on, you know, who will want you to come on their podcast and be interviewed with them about the subjects that you enjoy talking about. So don't let the terms social selling and personal branding get in the way of thinking like that's a sales thing, right? That's, that's completely sales. I don't need to do that. Uh, you know, the whole thing is you think about it this way. If you're sharing those ideas, those thoughts and information, you might get career opportunities that come out of the woodworks because people are passively consuming that. Um, it, it's much easier to find another job or anything when people already know who you are, right? It's if you have a tailored out LinkedIn profile, tons of engagement, recruiters are going to see that information because they're on there all day long. Um, it's just the nature of exposure, right? So don't let the terms branding selling get in your way just pick one thing and start yeah I, i'm with you 100 agreement you know when i think of personal branding i think of it in terms of again what we were referring to with authenticity right it's uh it's just taking the time to really extend the thought leadership that you're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis with either your colleagues or in your work environment, you know, those things that you're thinking about, those things are, that are critical, if they're critical for your business or if they're critical for your role, it's likely that there are many other people uh, that it will be critical for as well. And if you take the time to really extend what's happening in your own personal experience and you create content around it and then you help try to socialize that content, that's to me, you know, really the, uh, the crux of personal branding. It's just being authentic in, yeah, in that, what you, you do. Yep. You know, you're... You. And the, the thing I'll say too, is, and you say creating content, right. And people always get this like, oh, well, I don't know what to write <laughs> about. Right. There's our Gary Vaynerchuk. Like if, if anybody hears in social media or has been on social media, you've probably seen Gary Vaynerchuk, the, re the really loud, uh, New York accent guy, like you've seen him, Gary, um, v. Gary v. Yeah. And if you haven't seen him, just Google him real quick and you've probably seen him somewhere. Um, but, but it's one of those things, just don't worry about in the beginning, what you're going to post about, just post something, throw stuff mm -hmm. at the wall and just see what sticks and what feels good with you. Right. You don't have to drive value every single time. Right. Sometimes making people laugh is giving people value, right? Because you're, you're giving them entertainment. Like a couple weeks ago, and I still do this now, is I put absolutely ridiculous quotes on my headshot, right? It's just like, absolutely, and people enjoy it. And it's just one of those things like, well, I'm not giving hardcore business value, but I'm giving people entertainment, right? Um, and that, that just shows a side of my personality is that, you know, I like to joke around. I'm not serious, all the time. I mean, I love talking about leadership. I love talking about technology, but I can't do that 24 seven, just like I'm sure you can't. Right. Sure. So just try a bunch of things and see what you enjoy talking about and leave some comments on stuff. You might find that over time, just leaving comments, uh, you might find a way to build your own personal identity of, of how you want to share on, on any social platform. And the key to it is just to be yourself, right? If you're not interested in, you know, 
thought leadership, and that's the top topic on Twitter that's trending. Don't try to fit a you know square peg in a round hole. You know, it's like it's not going to work long term. It might work short term, but you're not going to be able to keep that up because you're not interested in it, right? Yeah, it's true. I got a message from someone who's a follower of mine in my network. They asked a question. They, they said, you know, this is really something that they're trying to do. How, how do I start to engage? I've, I've got a whole bunch of followers, but I don't even know. Kind of, kind of to what you're saying, Nick. Uh, you know, what What would I post about? I'm not a writer. I, you know, I don't feel like I think deeply about things in a way that other people are going to want to engage with it. And I just said, what's the last article that you read that was interesting to you? And they started, you know, I mean, they went through this whole diatribe of like all of these things that I thought were completely fascinating. <clears throat> and I said, well, there you go. I mean, how easy is it to grab a link from something that's been published online through either an industry trade publication or, you know, one of your favorite news sites or, you know, any of these, you know, various forums for content, resharing that content on your own feed and making some kind of personal comment about why it was important to you. You know, it may be the timeliness of the situation, you know, in terms of, COVID pandemic or, you know, tornadoes in Alabama or, you know, whatever, whatever the content is, but um, just taking the time to share a link to something that might be of value to others uh, who, you know, they, they may actually gain some insights just by you taking the time to even say, hey, I just read this. It helped me think about something a little bit differently that's been on my mind that's that can be the entire length of the post <laughs> followed by the link you know it doesn't have to be you know a, a 60 minute podcast it doesn't have to be a a lengthy you know blog post it can just be something as simple as a link with a comment yeah and i will say like um when it, when it comes to there's different forms of content right if you're a writer then write right try try writing if you're not a writer and it doesn't come naturally to you then then maybe don't start with that right? Whatever medium that speaks to you, then start there, right? Are you good with audio? Well, then maybe start some SoundCloud thing and share bit sound bites or something, you know, are you, are you good at taking pictures? Well, then maybe do something on Instagram or something to start, you know, putting your motivational quotes or something. I mean, there's, there's tons of ways. It's, it's just like when you do art, right? You just got to find the medium that speaks to you that you can do relatively quickly and you enjoy doing it, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy the process or you don't enjoy what you're talking about, how are you going to stick with it? It's it's the same thing when we talk about fitness, right? I always compare this to fitness because everybody wants, you know, the six-pack abs and, you know, like it wants to look great for the beach, right? And we all know how to get there, right? Everybody. You can ask anybody. They know how to do it, right? But how many people stick with it, right? Because there needs to be sure. a overarching driving purpose more than just i want to look fit right for mm -hmm. those people there has to be more behind that when you're sharing content right um you know are you just sharing about leadership because you enjoy talking about leadership because in the beginning when you post about that stuff you're probably gonna have nobody interacting with it right that i mean that's just the nature of the beast right until you start interacting with other people you're not going to get people interacting with your stuff so you definitely want to start doing stuff that interests you uh, in the beginning and share things that will keep you going. Yeah, amen to that. And uh, again, I think that factors directly into the authenticity of what it is that you're trying to share. Um, 
and and I'd like to get into the mechanics of of doing some of that a little bit. But first, I you know I would just uh, I want to go down one more rabbit trail, which is uh, you know really tied to a, a comment that you made early in the program related to uh, you know this is uh, this is a topic that may sound a lot more salesy and less relevant to someone who is on the technology side of things. But I think in terms of you know a couple different factors. Number one, if you're in technology and, and you have a sales component of your organization, at some point you're going to be charged with having some thought leadership around what can you do to help enable those people who are coming to you with some of these questions, right? And, and as, a, uh, as a leader in technology in particular, if you're able to step out into the forefront and help lead with some of the knowledge that you have, whether it's with uh, you know, how um, features work within a CRM system, whether it's, you know, what you've seen that's effective in terms of setting a sales strategy as you're engaging with something like a technology platform, uh, mm -hmm. marketing automation, that sort of thing. Those are the things that, you know, again, that that helps elevate the role that you're in uh, from a thought leadership perspective. And, and those things could additionally translate into this is great content that's worthwhile sharing in a broader context. Um, similarly, you know, leaders throughout organizations, whether they are the head of sales, whether they're uh, the head of technology, the head of marketing, uh, whatever it is, right? More and more, they are being tasked with being the thought leaders around some kind of strategy that does involve technical components related to it. And oftentimes sharing of data and so starting to think through, you know, what are all these different ways that we can use this to really help leverage uh, some kind of social media campaign or, you know, some kind of uh, digital presence online. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that because it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it does have relevance, uh, you know, to a lot of different I would, domains. I would, I would add on to that, that no matter where you are at in your career, you should probably have some type of professional social presence, right? Um, whether that's LinkedIn or a personal website or Twitter or, or whatever of these, you know, number of platforms there are, you should probably have something, right? It's definitely easier for, um, you know, I would say it, let's just say, cause most people work at a job, right? They work at a job and then when they want to get a new job, they start applying for jobs. Well, isn't it easier if people already kind of know who you are and you start building this networking, this communication channels with people ahead of time uh, so that eventually when time comes, you're looking for a job, people know who you are. They can easily see what your thoughts and ideas are. Um, and they bring you in for an interview. They're looking at your LinkedIn profile. They can see what kind of content you post. Um, they see what you're passionate about. It's just not bringing you in for a blank interview. Um, that, that's just my two cents on that. You should at least start thinking about sharing something of, of some form, maybe thoughts and ideas. Um, that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a tier one technician, and you're you're trying to think of, you know, how can I elevate myself to that next level? Creating some of this content would be a great way to do it. And yeah. even if you were to just stop and think about what are the ten most common user support requests that come in, <laughs> right? Some of them yeah, may be very yep. may, may be very specific to your industry, but I'll bet the majority of them are not. I'll bet the, the majority of them are ubiquitous, regardless of industry type. 
And so trying to frame some of your own knowledge around, hey, what can I do to help support others, right? This is, uh, I mean, how many times do you go to Google or uh, YouTube just to try to track down a quick how-to video, right? And you find these things that are, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds long on some kind of configuration step that's been eluding you or something. And someone took the time to actually put that together, put it in their channel, and, yeah, you know, they saved you hours. They saved you hours and they didn't <laughs> even know it, right? <laughs> That's right. I, 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 as a practice, you know, I always uh, do my best to like those posts that have been helpful to me in that way uh, or drop a comment in there, you know, and it might not be so much that I, I feel like, yeah, I've got to subscribe to this person's channel. But uh, again, you know, by, uh, by being someone who's giving that information freely and you just took the time to do it, it's not like there has to be, you know, a whole lot of production that goes into something like that. Um, mm. But there are, you know, plenty of tools out there that are that are freebies that allow you to do something like a video recording of a screen share, where you can just walk through a couple of steps. You can even have an in-screen, you know, uh, view of yourself talking if you know you're open to doing something like that, or have an informational text box that uh, provides more information that listeners, you know, can, uh, can uh, follow on to. But, you know, those are the types of things that, again, I think start creating a personal brand identity that they're truly about you, right? It's, it's truly about, you know, these are the things that I'm engaged in. I've got some expertise in this area. I like to be helpful in this way. All of those things are great for being both career builders, as well as uh, just helping to expand your network with people who are interested and engaged in what you're doing. Yeah. I think you bring up a great point. Look at it as not social selling, but as network building, right? Because mm -hmm. these interactions, these interactions you have with people um, develop relationships. I've met some really cool people online that that I've never met in person that I would consider friends, right? And it's one of those things. If I ever, for some reason, decided to get out of technology and pivot, I instantly have a network of people that I could reach out to and people that know me regardless of what industry um, I'm in. And so I, I, you know, to add on to your point, think of it as networking, right? Mm -hmm. If, if social selling scares you, you have nothing to sell. Just think of it like, Hey, this is networking. Same thing. If I went to a conference and it's the cocktail hour or That's right. whatever they do and everyone goes around, um, you know, just talk to people. Don't be the person who hands out the business card and it's like, <laughs> Hey, what can I do for you? This is what I sell. Um, don't be that guy, but just have conversations with people and, um, you know, develop relationships from there. It, you know, look at it that way as, as another, another perspective. Absolutely. And it opens the door to a lot of other opportunities as well, because now people don't see you based in this fixed role around your current job or your current title. Yeah. They see you as someone that's got a lot of different dimensions. It's like, oh, Nick, uh, you know, the IT director who also happens to be this social media uh, Ronan janitor, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so then it's like, My alter well, ego. No. well he's, he's someone um, that we might want to tap into because we just happen to need someone as an advisor to us who's both, uh, you know, technical, but also has this social media savvy. Right. And all of a sudden you're off on a direction that, you know, you may not even have been thinking about, uh, you know, making your next move in terms of your career. But suddenly it finds you because there are opportunities that are created just by you uh, taking the time to, to extend this level of engagement into your network. 
Yeah, and I agree with you. Like, I so when I started first creating content, I was really surprised the first time somebody asked me to be on their podcast. I was like, "What, really?" Um, and it, he was just like, "Yeah, I've been listening to what you've been sharing over this time, and I just really want to hear your thoughts and bring you on the show. I think you'd be great for a guest." And you never know what opportunities are going to come up until you try, right? Yeah. So I, I always say, have this, you know, this feeling that people harp too much on the negative impacts of something, right? You know, like, what if my boss sees it? What if my coworkers make fun of me? What if my family sees this? Okay, well, you know, those are things that could happen, you know? But then what's <laughs> also the good things that can happen, right? If we're going to weigh the bad things, we got to equally weigh the good things too, right? Don't just sit there and only look at the bad things that can happen. So what if my coworkers see this? Okay, well, you know, your coworkers see it. Maybe they're like, oh man, I didn't know he he had those thoughts and ideas around this. Maybe, you know, he or she could write an article for us for, for this magazine thing. Um, it, you know, there's totally other things that can come out of the woodworks when, when people get to know you. It's true. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about the actual mechanics of doing some of this. Uh, first, I want to reference that you put together what I thought was a really slick, but also really succinct uh, manual to help teach people how to podcast. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the origins of that. Why did that suddenly become something where you thought, oh, I need to create this artifact? <laughs> yeah. So that the funny thing is that was before the pandemic, right? This was probably January of 2020. Um, and, you know, it's like New Year's resolutions and I'm cruising on LinkedIn and some guys like, oh, yeah, if you want to be a, you know, a, a broadcaster, you know, go out and buy the Shure SMB7 and get this audio interface. And for those who don't know anything about audio engineering, a Shure SMB7 is a broadcast microphone. If you've watched Joe Rogan's podcast or any super popular podcast on YouTube, you've seen that big black microphone. Um, that's that's it. And that microphone's $400, right? And they tell you to get an audio interface that's another $400. So you're trying to drop and they're telling you to drop twelve, thirteen hundred dollars on a podcast. Um, when, in my opinion, it's you know just start with what you have, because just like I told you, the promotion is going to be the hardest part. I would say if you're going to spend any money on anything in the beginning, and if you have money to spend, is hire people to promote it for you because because that is the most difficult part. Um, that will pay you back more than buying the equipment buying the services that do everything. Uh, I would say the key to, to getting started in podcasting is just use what you have, right? You have a computer. You have earbuds that came with some phone you bought within the last 12 years. I know I used to have iPhones. I know I got like eight pairs of those Apple iPod headphones that don't stay in my ears, but I have a bunch of them. Um, and record on your computer, right? Or record over free Zoom um, or use Anchor. Uh, do do whatever you can to do it for free until you're sure it's what you want to do. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I think there are a couple of other parameters that are also, you know, beneficial to consider when you're starting to figure out what it is that you want to undertake. You know, one thing that you had done that I, I really appreciated was your 90-day uh, video uh, challenge, you know, where you, you posted a video every day for three months and they didn't, you know, it wasn't like you went over the top with production, although your production clearly got more and more sophisticated as time went on, right? But there were a few principles that I, I noted, you know, right from the outset 
um, that, you know, were influential to me as I started to embark on, you know, similar type of thing. Um, but I think they're also worth sharing, you know, with others who might be considering this kind of thing, uh, first of all. So, you know, I, I think it would be helpful to kind of, you know, state some of the basics that and not assume <laughs> that those things are so overtly obvious to everyone. But if you're shooting a video on a phone, right, it's best not to just hold the phone. You should have some kind of, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of, yeah. you know, devices that you can get to hold it and just get keep a it stand steady. on Amazon for like 15 <laughs> exactly. bucks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that you, you know, the, the shaking, uh, the natural shaking of your hand isn't distracting, you know, for the actual video product that you then put out. Right. So, so what are some of the other things that kind of jump to mind is sort of those obvious pointers from your perspective. So if, if we're talking about video just in general as it pertains to um, social media, I would say, you know, first thing is you use your phone, right? Because you already have a phone. You probably spent a thousand dollars on it because that's what phones cost now. It's got a good enough camera, right? Like you're not going to go shoot a whole production movie on it, but you know, for a 90 second social media video, it's perfect. Um, so I would start with that. Uh, and then caption your video, right? So use a captioning service, whether it's otter.ai, subtitle, headliner.app, something like just Google captions. There's tons of them. Some of them are free. Some of them are not. Some of them are free to a point. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, this all changes constantly. So just do a Google search, do auto caption videos. Um, adding captions is probably one of the best things you can do when it comes to a social media video. Because on social media services, like I don't remember, it's like over 70% of people actually watch videos without the sound on. Um, and then there's the other thought behind that too, um, is that deaf people can't consume <laughs> your content if you don't have captions. Um, so it, it's a, an inclusion and accessibility factor on top of it. Um, that, you know, I'm more thoughtful of it because I did sign language as my foreign language in college. I live in D.C. where Gallaudet is. I know sign language fairly well. Um, I can maybe on like a fifth grader level. So it's it was always top of mind for me. Um, but that, that's what I would say. And like you said, the stand, find somewhere to stand it. Decent lighting doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, make sure the lights in front of you, uh, not on top of your head. <laughs> uh, make sure you're in a quiet place. You know, just those are little tips. But don't go out and spend a ton of money at the very beginning because you you might not even stick with it, right? Don't don't go buy a thousand dollar mirrorless camera because that's what a YouTuber recommended. Um, it's one thing with YouTubers is realize that they sometimes they're sponsored and they get paid money off of things you buy. Um, so just start with what you have. And like I would, so that to sum it all up, right? Start with what you have, use your phone, caption your videos, get decent lighting and be close enough to your phone that the sound is good in a quiet space so that the auto captioning can pick up the, uh, the what you're saying and transcribe it so you don't have to do a bunch of manual work. That's that would be my my few things for that. Yeah, that's great, and you know I, I love that in that uh, little brochure that you put together. There's there are pointers in there where if you do want to make an investment, you know you could have an entire rig, including uh, you know a remote control to turn your video on and off, and you know have a, a secondary uh, microphone source. All of that for under twenty five bucks. Yeah. Um, 
I, I would make one more point about the captioning. You know, I'm I'm married to someone who speaks English English as a second language, and captions are always very helpful for someone who may not uh, be able to ascertain exactly what the context of some of the things are. If you use jargon, you know, if there's because yeah, uh, English uh, is such a weird yeah. language, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's beneficial for people beyond just the hard of hearing. But um, yeah, those are all great tips. And uh, and so, can you tell uh, listeners where they can find uh, that uh, that reference manual that you put together? Oh man, I'll have to put it on my website. <laughs> um, I'll I'll have to compile it because it's it's buried somewhere on LinkedIn and it's very difficult to find. Um, so what I'll do is I'll put it in the show notes of this show. Uh, cool. I'll put it on my website, uh, nicklozano.com. I'll put it on there somewhere. <laughs> okay, great. Because right now it's not easy to find on LinkedIn. But and uh, and what's the title of that brochure that you put together? Do you recall? It's the Solo Podcaster 2020 Edition. So I, I probably should update it. Maybe it'd probably be better if I made it like a YouTube series, um, mm-hmm. so that way you could pause and follow along and edit and pause. That just takes a bit more production um, and you know, a little more time on on my side, but that's probably something I should do. The other thing I get asked all the time is how do I put music on my LinkedIn lives? I should probably make a video for that as well too, but uh, all in good time. Yeah, those, well, that was going to round out kind of the pointers that I thought were worth sharing. You know, if you are going to add music, make sure that it doesn't step over your uh, volume for whatever it is that you're saying. Uh, and also make sure that you grab something that either you have the licenses to or that's license free. I know that there's a lot of resources that you use on Spotify uh, that uh, provide some of those license free things. You can certainly Google it on YouTube. There's a lot of resources there as well. Uh, and most importantly, share a video that's, uh, or, you know, with your audience that's worth sharing, right? Uh, a lot of these things get liked, they get reposted. And what that means is starting with something that is uh, a coherent idea, right? Uh, begin with the end in mind. <laughs> Make sure that you you have a story to tell and you know how you're going to wrap up the ending. And I would say it's practice, right? Don't don't expect to be, you know, a master uh, in the very beginning. Just like riding a bicycle, right? Uh, nobody can just start pedaling right away and, and off to the races. You normally got to stumble a couple times uh, before you're up on two wheels and running. So give it a fair bit amount of time and realize that, yeah, that you're not going to be perfect in the beginning. So I guess I'm saying give yourself a little bit of grace, right? It's it's not going to be a Hollywood production in the beginning and, and just be fine with that. Well, Nick, thanks for taking the time to talk uh, with me through uh, some of these concepts. And, you know, it's a it's a topic that I think is worth exploring. We'll probably find some additional guests that we can bring in so that we can continue to enlarge the perspective around some of these things. But uh, I, I think uh, where, uh, where we're kind of landing right now is a, a great point to kind of wrap things up. Yeah, I think it's great. And, and so wrapping up, I would say just start, right? Find your medium that you like to do. Pick one platform. Don't try to be on all of them. Uh, if you try to be on all of them, it's going to be very difficult. And just start with one and go from there. Throw stuff to the wall and see what sticks. That's great advice. Well, Nick Lozano, uh, thank you for uh, all that you shared today. You've got some great insights. And uh, thank you for all that you've done uh, on the production uh, for our podcast here at lead.exe. Hey, you got it. And, uh, 
thanks everybody for listening. And if you hang around at the end of this, I'm going to put the very beginning of our conversation at the very end. <laughs> I love it. It'll, it'll yeah. be like the blooper roll, right? Yeah, it'll be like the blooper reel. See if you're still listening. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Jack. Appreciate you taking the time today. All right. Thanks, Brian. You know, some of what I've been thinking about is just the, um, you know, the variety of paths that we have now for really creating an online brand. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people have thought about it for a long time in the context of LinkedIn. And, you know, certainly I think that's still kind of, you know, most roads for business professionals and businesses, you know, leads to LinkedIn and why not? I mean, it's a, it's a great platform for, for doing exactly that, right. For, for creating your yeah. brand either as a, as a professional, as an individual or as a, a business entity. So I know that this is a, a topic that's been near and dear, you know, to the two of us as we embarked on the journey of creating lead.exe, but, I've also thought about, you know, how much time we've been doing this sort of thing now. And and not just that, but seeing your own trajectory of how much involvement you've had developing a web presence and, uh, you know, really just going from Nick, the IT guy at the council to being, uh, you know, the uh, Ronin janitor with, uh, you know, your, your multiple various, uh, you know, online, uh, involvements, you know, your live stream, this podcast, I mean, all of the things that you've been doing. So I felt like, uh, you know, who better than, than Nick Lozano is a qualified, um, you know, person for me to interview as a resource uh, for other listeners for this podcast. Yeah, so let's do it, man. That, that was good. kind of the genesis of the idea there. Let's do it. So, you know, one, one book that uh, I've read Gosh, I guess this has been probably it's it's ten or twelve years. Uh, it was Eric Qualman's Digital Leader, mm-hmm. and I had the good fortune of uh, you know hearing Eric Qualman speak at a really small uh, industry event that I was at in Aspen, Colorado. And when I say small, I mean there were probably only twenty people you know in this room with him up front talking, and he had he had just uh, published. He just published this book, Digital Leader. <laughs> and, you know, everyone who attended got a copy of it. And, um, you know, I ended up chatting with the guy. I mean, he hung out for a couple of days with us as we were doing all sorts of crazy activities that, that went along with the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the event for this now defunct company. But, um, you know, it was really interesting talking with him about it because, you know, having come up through, uh, internet radio and all of the things that I had been involved in in the 1990s that later sort of got attributed to, you know, this millennial generation. It's like, oh, well, the millennials know everything about, you know, dot coms. And it was like, man, I, you know, I came from a generation where we were creating all that stuff. There was no reference point for any of it. Um, and, you know, then to read that book and to to see how he had framed the context around being a digital leader, uh, you know, so much of it resonated with me uh, at that time. And, and as I was kind of preparing, you know, talking with you today, 
I was flipping back through some of these things and I was like, this is amazing. I mean, at the pace of how quickly technology moves, this book that was written a decade or so ago is still as relevant right now <laughs> as it was, you know, the day it came out. Yeah, In fact, that's perhaps even more so. doesn't change, man. It's, it's always the same. It's never changed. Well, that's it's like you know, how you can read the art of war and it's literally full of great leadership lessons and <laughs> the thing's thousands of years old. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking more in context of even how do you harness that leadership in the digital context, right? How mm -hmm. do you, how do you leverage things like LinkedIn? How do you create uh, an online persona? How do you, you know, develop brand identity for yourself or your organization? So those are the things that to me, it was, it was sort of remarkable going through this and, and recognizing how fresh so much of it still is. And as I reflected on it, I thought about part of that, it has to be related to the pace of adoption, mm -hmm. right? And if you, if you consider that Gen X was already living and breathing in the 1990s, what by, you know, the first decade of the 2000s, it became attributed to millennials. It was really that amount of time that it took for that adoption to take place, where it just became more and more, uh, you know, systematic. And then you had the advent of other technologies along the way, like the smartphone, that I think just sort of supercharged what that adoption looked like, you know, towards the end of the, the first decade of the century. Similarly, I think we've, we've gone through a lot of this, you know, as in the last decade, we've made this pivot, you know, from, uh, you know, into, into web 2.0 territory, right? A lot yeah. of this utilization of, of social media. And, and now we've really seen that kind of come to manifest with, um, you know, in, in the professional realm. Um, and then I think sort of the supercharging effect, you know, like we saw with the smartphone has come in this past year of pandemic. Now I got a bunch of people locked indoors, <laughs> you know, with additional time on their hands, at least from uh, their typical commute, you know, mm -hmm. for most people. And, uh, and so there's been sort of a proliferation in a way of a lot of this, uh, this online, um, identity development. So, you know, I'm just kind of putting that out there as, you know, positing my own theory about it. But I mean, do you, do you share that perception or how do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on a lot of great points. I think there's, um, you know, different layers to it, right? It's not necessarily a generational thing as much as it is, um, you know, personality trait, I would say, right? It's easier for someone who's an extrovert to hop online and not worry about what they're saying or what they're doing because um, they already are very outgoing, right? And, and I've noticed that just along the time that I've been pretty active. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because I know you yourself, as you started your own video campaign, you, you know, you talked to me personally about how uncomfortable that was for you, that that was not yeah. a natural sort of transition for you. Do we want to roll this in and start? Uh, I mean, we are recording right now, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, aren't aren't we aren't we doing the thing? Oh, sorry. I guess I should have oh. started off with the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so maybe you can cut and paste some of that in in, in lieu of a, a typical intro that we would do. Now uh, we'll just leave this in. So. Just roll the intro. It, it'll okay. make a great YouTube cut. Here we go. Awesome.